0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury, welcome to Tech Talk this morning. It's estimated that Asia's digital payment sector is on track to exceed $1 trillion in annual revenue within the next two years. And as digital transactions show growth in the region, the APAC region also became a bit of a hotbed for online fraud as cases continue uh, to be monitored. And reported, whether it be in banking or e-commerce or other payment scams. And in Malaysia, we've seen a growing awareness on the importance of mitigating fraud. With the banking industry uh, who launched the National Scam Awareness Campaign, that was the NSAC, it wasn't too long ago. So according to a joint survey by the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners and Global Data Analytics Leader, SAS, only 17% of organizations use artificial intelligence or machine learning analytics to detect fraud. Activities, so there's a lot of growth in terms of utilizing advanced tech in that sphere. On the phone with me right now, I have Keith Swanson. He's the director of fraud and security intelligence for Asia Pacific and Japan at SAS. Keith, welcome to the show this morning. Thank you, Richard. And how are you today? I'm doing wonderful. And you? Very well, thank you very much. Now, I, I want to kick off um, by saying, you know, b- before we kind of get into the nuts and bolts and things and the technicalities of all of this, it is coming up to one of the busiest online shopping periods of the calendar year. Um, and how much more vulnerable do you think people are to online fraud during this period? And what are some of the steps that the average consumer uh, can take to avoid being a victim?
0: I think it's a great Great question. I think the reality, when we think about the nature of, of the holiday season, we think about the amount of purchases happening, we think about the amount of spend that we do, Yeah. the exposure only increases. and yeah. Probably in a simple way to look at that is you're buying more, right? Uh-huh. You're buying more, you might be donating more, you might be paying for more bills as they come due, coming in and out of the holiday season. And every one of those circumstances, any one of those activities or transactions – you have to ask yourself, is this genuine? Is this authentic or not?
1: And that, that that's your baseline, isn't it?
0: I, I think it is. Because if you look at the nature of, and the word online fraud, I think, has expanded so much in use. And oftentimes mm-hmm. we've been talking about the impact that it has in, in banking. Mm-hmm. But if you really think about how you're exposed, is imagine someone sends you an SMS message, hey, look at this great deal on this new TV you want to get. Mm-hmm. You click on the link on that. Mm-hmm. Who's to say that link is authentic? Who's to right. say that that transaction isn't actually a dubious transaction trying to harvest your details?
1: When we're subscribing to whether or not it's a streaming service, or we're buying something online, or you've purchased from your your favorite, you know, uh, PC manufacturer or, or whatever it is, the amount of SMSs and emails that you you've got you get on a day to day basis, it can be cute, uh, confusing for anybody, not just somebody who might even be tech aware. Do you think that we are we, we, we have a deluge of these messages and, and, and emails lately?
0: Uh, definitely so. I think if you look at it, it's and especially as we look at the holiday season, it's that combination of volume and velocity. Yeah. So what I mean by that is the volume, to your point, the number of messages you get. And if you think about it, it can be email, it could be an SMS, it could be a voice recording, a message lift, listed, listed on your voicemail. But also the velocity. If you think Mm. about the number of things that people are trying to juggle during the holiday season, Mm -hmm. their time to put true thought to what they're doing sometimes gets compromised. Yeah, And in that moment, you might just, as you're juggling five things, you might do something that you think looks legitimate, but lo and behold, it isn't.
1: So, I mean, there you are wrapping your you know, your, your other half's Christmas present. An email comes in. You're like, oh, great. The, the thing's here. Click, bump, done. Simple as that, right? Exactly.
0: And, and to your point, it's about that proliferation of the number of interactions, the number of messages. Mm. You know, we've often thought historically of online fraud being related to buying something online or banking yeah. online. Yeah. But if you look at some of those scams, and that's a term that's often used in relation to online fraud, People are receiving messages about, hey, you you went through a toll booth and you yeah. didn't get toll. Can you please uh, give us your details so we can uh, charge you for that correctly? Your utility right. bill wasn't sent to you correctly. Can you please verify information? Yeah. So all sorts of services, not just banking, toll use. Um, we've seen even examples of people being asked to pay their child care fees mm-hmm. online saying we missed your payment. Can you pay that? All sorts of interactions and touch points. And if you look at how digitized our world has become, and I think that's only been um, increased from the the COVID uh, and the impacts from that, so much of what you do, you're making decisions. You've interacted online and you're paying or you're consuming something in seconds. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that, that moment of exposure that you might not realize that you are exposed to, much more of that, as Mm. you say.
1: Let's, let's rewind a little bit, though, but sticking with this topic, I mean, it wasn't yes. too long ago uh, that Malaysia launched the uh, National Scam Awareness Campaign, uh, NSAC, yes. uh, here, here in Malaysia. Uh, how does the financial services industry uh, go about mitigating fraud nowadays? How have things changed?
0: I think – a couple of things there. One is that interest in scams and those national level type scam initiatives. I think we're seeing that across many geographies across the region and the globe. Right. To your point around financial services, scams points a bit of a dilemma for or for organizations and for individuals. Oftentimes you might be reading, let's say you've previously purchased with credit cards and those things. Credit card schemes typically have a level of a fraud guarantee about how much you might be out of pocket if that transaction is deemed as fraudulent. Yeah, yeah, As you move more to online payment and the immediacy of payment for your utility bill or direct payment transactions, the, some of those schemes that allow for levels of guarantee or warranty aren't as robust. So the, uh-huh. the debate that is often happening is, and, and this is where it's great to see the, the interaction and then the involvement of government is... Where is it that an obligation to help prevent these types of things sits with organizations? And where does that sit with individuals?
1: Right. Okay. Where does the responsibility lie, so to speak?
0: Exactly. And I think that's why there's been a great deal of effort. I think you mentioned about the the scam center there and others and financial services are spending Uh a great deal of time and focus and interaction with their consumers trying to educate and drive awareness.
1: With that in mind, what are the other gaps that you see in anti fraud measures in, in the APAC region? Is, is it a case of um, people juggling around and, and kind of not wanting to put the, their hands up and say, okay, we're responsible for this, you're responsible for that? Where do you think the, the gaps are?
0: Uh, probably a couple of things. One is there obviously is that debate about responsibility and the, the nature of are people aware of the types of exposures they might be provided to. So obviously yeah. education is important. That is something that probably sits as that balance uh, and that would intersect between where government can assist, where organizations can assist, and where individuals have a responsibility as well. Mm. I think when you look at it more broadly, Part of it, it comes back to so many things are digitized now. How is it that people are learn to understand what is true and genuine and what is not? Uh-huh. Um, and that's probably one of the things is to it, it is OK to second guess, to ask the questions, to look at things and put a little bit of scrutiny to people. Right. You look at some of the interactions. I mean, there are. Your, your, your um, listeners might be used to the term spoofing as well as I yeah. might get a call from a bank. It shows it as a bank's phone number, but it isn't yeah. the bank. Yeah. right. So there are many means for the, the people trying to get your information or get your money to appear genuine, if that makes sense.
1: And it's sophisticated as well. These are, are not some, you know, guy sat in a back room somewhere. This is organized.
0: Exactly. This is business for many of these syndicates, for many of the compromises that we see across the region. It is business and individuals competing against business, Mm -hmm. right? Just the nature of their business and how they make their profit, so to speak, is just
1: different. I'm on the phone with Keith Swanson. He's the Director for Fraud and Security Intelligence at Asia Pacific and Japan at SAS. We're speaking about how it, it is estimated that Asia's digital payment sector is on track to exceed $1 trillion in annual revenue within the next two years and there's a lot of potential for fraud within that but we're talking about how you can mitigate fraud and how the financial services can mitigate fraud when we come back i want to speak a little bit uh, keith about data analytics ai uh, and and that kind of thing we'll be right back after these messages here on tech talk on bfm 89.9 the business station From Malacca. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Tech Talk this morning. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm on the phone with Keith Swanson, Director, Fraud and Security Intelligence, Asia Pacific and Japan over at SAS. Thank you for sticking with us, Keith. Um, Before the break, we were speaking a little bit about gaps in anti-fraud measures uh, and how the financial services industry are helping to mitigate fraud. And of course... One of the things we, we like to talk about, obviously, with it being a tech show, is stuff like you know, advancing technology and AI and machine learning and all of these wonderful terms. Yes. Where, where are we in, in terms of um, helping to mitigate fraud by adopting modern tech, like AI, like analytics? And what exactly does it do on the back end to help analyze and identify
0: Great question. And, uh, and let me take it from a couple different angles, if I could. Mm. So one is, if we think about it, many organizations have means for trying to combat fraud. One of the core elements that we look at, the nature of what's been driven by digitization, the nature of COVID, et cetera, the nature of transformation initiatives driven by government, et cetera, is payments. The activity of fulfilling a payment, of settling a payment is much faster. Mm. So whether you call that faster payments in the U.K., the new payments platform in Australia, Zelle in the U.S., whatever that might be, a variety of different names and, and and references across the globe. Yeah, The reality is, historically, in a sense, is if I was making a payment from one bank account to another, time, in a sense, was a deterrent and a detection mechanism. Right, what yeah. I mean by that is an organization, because from the time of posting the settlement of the money actually moving through the payment rails you might have two to three days, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about how can I identify that risk and where appropriately perhaps block that risk in six seconds or less,
1: right. right? Yeah.
0: So that time horizon is quite materially different. And that's why we're looking at where does that mean from a, a technology approach with how do I combat this? How do I deal with this differently than perhaps organizations have in the past?
1: Mm. I, I, but, I think this, uh, sorry, Keith, carry on, please. Uh, Sure. Go ahead. I mean, and I think there's something to be said because, you know, as a consumer, we expect that payment to go through as well quicker. You know, we want it quick, we want it instant. You know, on the same uh, in in that same field, we 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 don't want to get snagged for by anybody else. You know, we want our money to feel safe and to have gone to the right place. How do we balance that then? Because that's a complicated thing for companies and for banks.
0: it's a great question. A couple of things. One, I think you'll probably see for many organizations, they are working to uh, co-opt the individual in validating that transaction. So right. that could be a two-factor authentication we might use, an SMS message, Got it. having to put in a code to identify it as part of two-factor, whatever that might be. And there are yeah. even attempts through the sophistication of, it, of these organized syndicates to try to combat and, and um, breach those types of schemes. I mm-hmm. think... If you look at, from a broader perspective, one of the key areas to that point is around the immediacy of the expectation of the customer. Mm -hmm. Does that match the immediacy of the organization's ability to combat that? Right. What I mean by that is there are still many organizations that are doing, quote, unquote, detection versus prevention.
1: Right. Okay.
0: And and in that context, let me give you a couple of quick examples. So detection... Uh, It could be a, I see it, but because of the technology I've invested in, I might be processing 5 million payments a day, but my technology can only monitor 1 million of those. So one Mm -hmm. fifth of the transactions Mm -hmm. I might monitor, I might identify a risky transaction, but that transaction has already completed. So Mm -hmm. there's two challenges from a technology view is one, can I analyze everything? And two, am I doing it at the right speed? Mm. And I think that's where we talk with organizations that see that proliferation. They're saying, well, how can I go faster? And I'll give you examples. We have customers in region in which we're applying artificial intelligence, machine learning models, advanced techniques in which we are making decisions about yes or no in, let's say, 20 to 50 milliseconds.
1: Mm. I mean, I know this might be a redundant question, or maybe something you've been asked in the past, but... We've seen this race towards digitalization because of the pandemic, you know, and we've made leaps and bounds with this, for good or not. What what is the rate of of fraud now compared to what it was pre-COVID? Are we seeing rising numbers? Were the numbers higher during a lockdown period or are they now – have they started to level off now that the world has gone back to relatively the new normal, so to speak?
0: I think – to give you a, whether a, a normal or not you see different trends in different geographies and i think that's part of the challenge is because yeah. this is digital digitalization also brought on and has a clear representation and clear linkage to globalization as
1: well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and what i mean by that is the fraudsters might be in place a or place b thousands of miles or kilometers from where you're located they're con- continually looking for common points of exposure or exposures in different geographies. Yeah. So what I mean by that is the exposure in one country might move as a wave to another country or another country because as organizations work to combat those gaps or combat that type of fraud, those business organizations as they are as, as the fraudsters are what, identifying, well, what else can I take advantage of? And right. so, yeah. What what that plays is to fraud moves across geographies, but fraud also moves across the different types of exposures. So, right, right. you know, we saw in the pandemic application fraud has actually went down for many of our customers, many mm-hmm. organizations, because the number of credit products where people were procuring was down. And the reason right, for mm-hmm. that is because people had, is, you know, might be because I have less income. Yep. I'm spending less because I'm not doing these things. I'm not traveling. So we saw things like application fraud go down. We might see things like credit card fraud go up. Um, The reality, though, is we've seen a lot of the types of fraud sometimes aren't always easily measured. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you might not know if you're having an identity theft and someone has taken out a product or done something on your behalf. That trailing awareness of where that fraud happens might be three to six months or whatever that might be.
1: Right. I mean – we, I speak to a lot of kind of SMEs and MSMEs here and who have only just gotten on board with digitalization. And some of them, you know, they don't even think that they are at risk of fraud in, in, in any respect right now, which, which to me is a sort of real scary thought. Um, what do you say to those companies who still are convinced themselves that they are not at risk?
0: I think probably two things. One is I think many people will talk about it's not an if, it's a when for organizations uh, and not trying to scare people in that from a perspective. But if you think about it, and this goes back to your previous question about artificial intelligence and machine learning, those that have digitized themselves recently and are using modern technology and those things, they actually might be in a driver's seat position to take a step change capability in their fraud detection. So that mm-hmm. if they can get themselves beyond that view of they're not at risk. What I mean by that is if I am in a digital session, I'm in an online session, I'm in an application, there is a vast amount of information provided beyond just that financial transaction. Yeah. Using that information can you is where you combine that with technology to say is what is normal and abnormal. What is good? What is bad? And if I can give you a quick example, you know, if I was to ask you or you know members out in your audience from a perspective, yeah. for a system, and you know, let's say a digital system trying to stop fraud, what looks more like fraud? You know, a ten thousand dollar transaction. I apologize for using uh, dollar currency, or a over here, I have a set of digital data that says a failed password attempt a password log login from a device i have not seen before a password change in addition of a new payee mm-hmm. um a amount being processed that i haven't processed before not normal for me that right. all that rich digital data in gives a, a much better footprint and a much better view and a precursor of this is not normal behavior
1: mm-hmm.
0: and when you have that beyond just a ten thousand dollar transaction you can then be move, much moving much closer to that concept of prevention because you have all that rich data from your digital journey which can inform that your organization's view is is this a genuine transaction is this a genuine customer
1: Uh, Folks, I've been on the line with Keith Swanson. He's the Director of Fraud and Security Intelligence for Asia Pacific and Japan over at SAS. We've been speaking about online fraud. We've been speaking about how Asia's digital payment sector is on track to exceed $1 trillion in annual revenue within the next two years, how you and your organization might be able to mitigate fraud. And if you did miss any part of this show and you want more information, you can listen back however you would like to. I recommend you use a BFM app to listen back to the podcast. It's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. On behalf of myself and Keith, I want to say thank you. This has been Tech Talk here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station.